0: This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler, Ryan Jumpert, and Jack Foster.
1: Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. My name is Rick Butler. Today is Thursday, October 12th. We are back here in the studio ready to talk a little Tennessee football as the open date is behind us, and now we have a cross-divisional conference game coming up in Nealon Stadium this Saturday afternoon. To my right, that is Ryan Schumpert. Right across the table, that is Jack Foster. Good morning to you both. How are we doing on a Thursday morning?
0: Doing well. Doing well. And I guess I'll start with you made me think of it. I don't know, a thought. We're going to get rid of it, luckily, but... I always loved these cross-divisional games that are in Alabama because you just never play. Tennessee never plays these teams. Sure. Now it's going to change hopefully it's going to change with the new conference realignment and the schedule and the format of everything changing with divisions going away. But I don't know, there's something, uh, I mean, heck, A&M's been in the league for 10 years. This is the third time they've ever, Tennessee and A&M have ever played and the first time in a Full capacity, Neyland Stadium.
1: Yeah, you're right because that last Texas A&M, uh, well, loss I guess from Tennessee side of things came right at the end of that 2020 year. If yeah. I remember correctly, it was, it was either the week before or the week of or the week after. But it, it feels to me it went hand in hand with with really the uncovering of. The initial Jeremy Pruitt scandal. Does anybody else remember that timing? Yeah, the
0: Pruitts thing came out like right before a game.
1: Okay, that's what I it thought. It
0: might have been the. Is, it was the last game of the year. It came out before I think A and M was the last game yes. of that season. I don't know. I've yeah, because didn't out. it get
2: rescheduled? Yeah, A and M game, so it became the last game. That's yes. right. There yeah, were a bunch. Exactly there were there were a bunch of stuff that got rescheduled, like the back half of that season. Right. Cause of COVID. Yeah, because
1: I, I remember being at a Chewy's in Nashville. Shout out okay. to Chewy's. Great. And uh, and, and I was watching the texas a&m tennessee game there yeah and i also remember that at, at the time I, I you know a good friend of our show trey wallace i remember him uh he, he was really kind of one of the leads with that story and so i remember it, him breaking it down to me over text and i was watching that game at the chewies at the same time so yeah that's that's why it all kind of rings a bell to me
0: yeah that was the yeah. last game
2: yeah december 19th 2020
1: Got a weird noise going on in the studio here. You hear that? I, I do hear that. It's a little bit of a rumbling. It feels like we're about to take off in a rocket ship. <laughs> I, I wonder if it's that construction. or, or yeah, are we Right so. on the other side of the... Uh, yeah, here this in the garage. garage. Yeah, there's a lot going yeah. on. So yeah. there's a lot going on. Shout out <laughs> to point. W. Shout out to WTK. We we really appreciate uh, popping by their studio because go, we got a Josh Heupel press conference here, and, and yeah, less yeah. than an hour at the time of this recording. So makes it nice and easy. Jack it doesn't look like anything showing on the audio level. So apologies if you hear it, but I don't think anybody does. So here we're we good go. to go, guys. Uh, fun conversation there before we we started the show. I wish we could. Uh, I I wish we could have had that recorded talking a little NFL football. As long as we're not talking (laughs) about my NFL team, we're good. So pretty much your two were on the uh we're on the topic of conversation here before the show. So move on right through the NFL conversation. But that was fun. That was good stuff.
0: Yeah, it's a depressing time to
2: be a Titans fan. Mm. But that's a time that's a conversation for another. Hey, if you listen to Micah Parsons,
1: Cowboys are still on the same level as the 49ers. (laughs) That guy is delusional. Delusional. (laughs) I haven't heard a football player so delusional, and I love the guy. He's a monster. Completely lost his mind, delusional (laughs) with what he was saying. He was trying to roast Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs got him back. (laughs) Woof, woof, woof. Dodging the darts. You couldn't see me, but I was doing it. (laughs) Woof, woof. And now he's he's running his mouth with the Niners. So, uh, that's out of the way. What do you guys say we 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 go ahead and we jump into a preview for? Oh, before we do that. Mm. Uh, coming up tonight, I, I'd imagine that some of the people will be listening to this kind of before this all happens, but Market Square Madness returns to Knoxville's Market Square coming up tonight, Thursday night, 7 o'clock p.m. Uh, Ryan will be there. I will be there. Jack, do you do you have any plans on making it over to, to Market Square Madness? Yeah, I think so. I was yeah, you're not, you the-
2: not going to be there? No,
1: it's not on the schedule. It's the hit event today. Hey, the I just year. Got
2: a, I just got an email. Mark Square Madness is tonight. There you, you the go. University. There you go. There you go. See us popping it. around, Man. say
1: hello. But uh, that's that. That should be a fun event. I I wasn't there last year, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what what comes about it myself for this year. But then again, that that leads you right into Saturday. Tennessee's got a big home game, three thirty p.m. Tennessee welcomes in Texas A and M four and two on the year two and one in conference play. Tennessee four and one on the year one and one in conference play. Coming off of the open date, let's see A and M's last five: lost to Alabama, beat Arkansas, beat Auburn, beat University of Louisiana Monroe, and then lost to Miami. That ha- that's how you get to their two losses. Tennessee, on the other hand. They've got two wins in between that, or I guess surrounding that Florida loss right there in the middle. Beat South Carolina in UTSA, beat uh, Austin Peay in Virginia. That's how you get to the five games of the season so far. So, Ryan, there's a lot of different ways that we can go with this game. We're going to talk about a lot of different components, but where do you kind of want to lead off? You've had almost a week to to lead into this game. What to you is kind of one of the biggest things that's standing out as we get only about 48 hours away?
0: Well, there's a, a great dichotomy in how to feel about this game. I mean, a couple things that go in opposite directions. I guess I'll start just with one side of it, and that'll be the negative side of that. I don't think it's a great matchup for Tennessee, at least just the fact that Tennessee has been so reliant on its run game to move the football this season, and Texas A&M is a team that has a stout run defense. I mean, Alabama ran for just 23 yards last week. It's a little bit misleading. A bunch of sacks kind of led to that. I think they had sure. around 50 yards rushing before the sacks came into, came into effect. But this is a team that's going to be really hard to run on and uh, is good at making the other Texas a and M, I I should say, is good at making opponents' quarterbacks beat them. And to this point in the season, we really haven't seen Joe Milton do that at all.
2: Yeah, they had seven sacks against Arkansas, too, and you come into the season thinking Arkansas is a, one of the best rushing teams in the SEC, one of the better backs, and, of course, one of the better running quarterbacks, and they could not run the ball at all. Of course, sacks contributed to their low rush total, but, yes, you're right. This Texas A&M team is a team that's great at stopping the run, but not very good with, in the secondary at stopping you know passes downfield. So I think if there's a game that Joe Milton's going to break out on the stat sheet and have a really big day, it's going to be this one. We'll see if he can do it.
1: Yeah, I, I think you still try to find that balanced attack, right? Because we know that Tennessee's – the running game is so important, and it is so critical, and you do have that three-headed monster back there. You've got to continue to use them, but I, I think you're absolutely right, Jackie. It's got to be balanced, right? You've you got to be able to take shots when on the field when it's open and try to expand that defense out a little bit, but I do see a balanced offense for Tennessee in this game against Texas A&M.
2: And, you know, I was going to say, Texas A&M, number one in the nation in tackles for loss and two in sacks, number two in sacks. So this is a great front. But like I said, Tyler Van Dyke was phenomenal in their game, throwing for over 300 yards and five scores. And then of course, Jalen Milrow last week had his best week on the stat sheet: three twenty-one and three. So, yeah, they're sacking the quarterback a lot, but it's not necessarily leading to bad quarterback stat lines. So sure. if Joe Milton can overcome that and still have a good day. I think that's certainly possible.
1: And what stood out to me about that Arkansas game too is just how bad Arkansas' offensive line played. And that's been yep. a story for the Razorbacks throughout the season so far. But I really, I mean, I sat down to watch that game. I think Tennessee had a night game, so I got to see that whole one. It, it, it was, it was, in some ways, kind of ridiculous just how, how bad their offensive line was. I think you need Tennessee's offensive line to, to have a, a, a stout showing. I think that Cooper Mays certainly helps that. And, you know, we heard about it all week from the teammates and the coaches. But I do think that Tennessee's Getting Cooper May's back is is obviously big with him playing last week or last game, I should say. But Tennessee's mm-hmm. offensive line can't can't have a a, a bad game, or else Texas A M can take advantage.
0: Jack, you you know you were smart in bringing up the two games that they lost and how their defense was unsuccessful in those games, and more so in the Miami game, it was you know a lot more inexcusable performance, giving up whatever it was, close to half a yeah, 50 and, points, all right. Yeah. So there were some deep balls in that game, but a lot of it was. Miami throwing screen games, getting it out quick to receivers, and Texas A&M tackled horribly in that one. Their PFF tackling grade was 32.1, which, you know, reminiscent of what Tennessee did at Florida. So I think you're going to see a lot of that. But, again, that's kind of where he's done a lot of that. They've had yep. to do a lot of that because of the passing game. And uh, I talked to Travis L. Brown, who covers uh, Texas A&M for the College Station newspaper uh, for a piece that's on Up Insider right now. Go check it out. And he kind of – Speculated, He goes, yeah, I wonder how much Tennessee tries to, you know, hit the quick RPOs and the screen passes kind of in lieu of the run game. And, you know, my thought when he said that was, well, Tennessee's had to do that in lieu of a pass game. <laughs> so I'm not sure how much they can really add to it, which I think makes it a curious thought. But then on the other side, the positive to this game is a lot of the circumstances that come into it from Tennessee's side of it and, and both sides. And Tennessee off a of bye week, off an open date, we've talked about it, how good... Uh, how good Josh Heupel coach teams have been coming off open dates in his career, seven and one. I think it's around 40 points per game. They scored 34 or more in all those games. You would think Tennessee's going to have a good game plan in this a little bit in the Miami game. We saw it, but especially in the Alabama game, we saw it with what Jack Jack's talking about with those defensive breakdowns and teams being able to get guys open down the field. You would think this is one that Heupel will be able to scheme a couple guys open and get a couple deep shots that are in favorable spots. And where you're not again, it's, a weird thing to say because deep shots are usually, you know, you think of the hard ones to make, but those are the throws that Milton's been pretty good at. Uh, if they can get guys open, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the, I guess, sticking with the, sticking with the with the Tennessee on offense and A side on defense. Is there anything else that that stands out to you, just kind of about that matchup or, or players in that personnel or anything there?
2: I think it's – I'm curious to see – Tennessee has three good running backs, you know, and no one's ran on A&M. I I think Tennessee's still going to try and lead on the run game. Can they be – can they have success? Because they have – like I said, they have three guys. A lot of these teams typically just have one guy. I feel like someone's going to have success against A&M, whether that be Samson or Wright would be my top two picks in reverse order. But, you know, can they still run on A&M, or is it strictly going to become one-dimensional? I don't think that's going to be the case.
0: I'd say – to that point too, if Tennessee struggles to run, you know they talked about how they got off
2: script at Florida and they kind yeah. of abandoned the plan. I don't
0: I think you'll see a lot more patience? Okay, it's in fair. this one,
2: yeah, because people talk about could, couldn't run against Florida. Well, like you said, the game script was out the window. Yeah, yeah, and they just you know it wasn't privy to the run game. So yeah, it's hard
0: to run when you're in first and fifteen, Exactly. Every down and di- right. down a distance. Yeah, so
2: that that'll be
0: interesting. and I kind of the same point. To me, just a big key, and this is going to be a big key for basically all of Tennessee's games. But it's going to be harder to avoid it in this one. It's just staying out a third and long. And Josh, Ibel talked about Texas A and pass rush has been really good. You know, not just on third down when they can get the pass rush unit in, they've been good on first and second down. So Tennessee, you know, Joe Milton's had some issues with his pocket presence and kind of padding the ball into the, into the pocket too long and, and taking some sacks. This will be the best defensive line Tennessee's seen to date. He's got to avoid that. And Tennessee's gotta stay out of third and long because this mm-hmm. is not an offense that's well suited in third and long, and this is certainly an AM team that it's going to be harder for Tennessee to have success on third and long than it, you know, probably every
2: other opponent they've played so far to date. And one of the bigger storylines that I don't think we've touched on yet is just Tennessee's wide receivers. Sure. Yeah, you know, I expect it to be a pretty good day for that group, but and score a white for sure. But outside of that, who steps up? Do we get a big Ramel Keaton game? Which, you know, young receiver steps up and, you know, or in Brew McCoy's absence, of course, so that's what I'll be keeping an eye on a lot. Yeah,
1: with Squirrel, I, I you even heard Jimbo Fisher during his press conference this week. You know, specifically call him out. He said, you know, he he really does run around like a squirrel on the field, and it's hard to keep track of him. But he also plays uh, very physical for his size, for you know the 180 pound frame that he has, and that's something that Tennessee's coaching staff has talked about before. But I do think that that's going to play a factor, and I think that Dante Thornton, you know, we don't know his status right now. We're going to be talking to Josh Heupel soon. I would imagine that you know we, we get the we get the very usual we get the you know we'll check back in on Friday and it'll be a game time decision on Saturday but again that's another guy that you've not really seen the the wheels get going for him yet maybe this is an opportunity to finally do it coming off of the you know had a a banged up week in South Carolina so he did not play there then you have the open date to continue to get healthy and, and get ready for this game I really want to see if maybe this is a game where Dante Thornton can finally find a little bit more production in the offense, A, because he needs to, but B, because they've had a little bit more time to maybe get ready for this game in particular. But I also think the wide receivers are a big deal.
2: Yeah, I don't know if we'll see Dante play outside yet, and I don't know how many snaps we're going to see Dante play because even if he plays, how limited is he going to be? Sure. And I still think he's just uh, you know, come in on certain packages, certain types of plays, and but he could have a big play. you know. So do we yeah. get that this week? And I know he kind of had one at Florida, but you know what I mean. Big touchdown. Brew, Brew's absence, I feel like,
0: is bigger in this one because a lot of what we've already talked about and how much we expect Tennessee to be relying on the screen game. One, Brew McCoy is their most physical runner, you know, or receiving runner. You know, he gets the ball out in space. That's a guy that can pick up some tough yards in a third-and-three type situation or something like that, which Tennessee is probably going to have to get a little more creative in some of those short-yard situations in this game. And then two, I think what we talked about in the post-game pod after South Carolina, he's just such a good blocker. He's Tennessee's, by far Tennessee's best perimeter blocker and has been really effective blocking on those screens. Yeah. So I think that's a big loss. And then if Thornton doesn't play out wide, which I think is a fair thing to think we're not going to see a ton of it in this game. Sure, Probably depends on how much he has been practicing this week. I'm not sure you see a ton of them. Just because yeah, no. without... Without Brew McCoy, I think you're going to be more keen to lean on Squirrel White more and want Squirrel White to be in the game for as many snaps as possible. I think obviously Ramel Keaton's had some touchdowns. He's had a pretty good season, but I think and there's not been a huge gap between Tennessee's receivers, but I definitely think most people would say Brew and Squirrel have been the two best and definitely the most reliable. With Brew out, it feels like they're going to want Squirrel to get as many targets and, and as many snaps as possible. So that'll be something interesting to watch in this game, and, and certainly moving forward, kind of in the long yeah, term. Yeah,
1: and then you got Webb and Nimrod, who, who yeah. you know, eyes are going to be on as they kind of move into that starting position. I, I, I'm really interested to see what they've done. I think Webb, obviously, you, you've seen. Find the end zone a, a week or two ago, or or whenever that was in the season. But these are guys stepping into that spots. The Tennessee coaching staff, Joey Hosley talked about this week. Hey, it's been business as usual for those guys. Those are guys that that really have bought into the system and they they prepare like starters each week, even though the, the production hasn't been very much. So now that they are starting into that role, it doesn't sound like it's going to be unfamiliar territory. But obviously, you got to go out there on the field and produce. Uh, one more quick note on on the Texas a and defense. One name that. You might see a good frequent bit uh, throughout the game this this weekend is a name that some in Knoxville are familiar with already, and that's Walter Nolan, right? He, he's got the most tackles of any defensive lineman on the Texas A&M roster, uh, sitting there at 22, which is the fifth most on the team in general behind the defensive backs and the linebackers. So that's going to be an, uh, another name that you see, and that's going to be part of that, that big Texas A&M rush defense.
0: Yeah, it's obviously A&M has been kind of uh... – or lack of better word, a clownable program in recent <laughs> in recent years. Mm-hmm. And I mean it's easy you bring in number one recruiting class in the country, Jimbo Fisher gets so mad about Nick Saban saying you're doing something that's legal and then you fall on your face, it's gonna happen. But and obviously there was some drama with some of those guys and they transferred, but a lot of those defense linemen and AM's recruited so well in the defense line, they're there and I mean it shows up. It's, it's this is the
2: year it's showing up.
0: Yeah, it's five star guys and it's it's a defense of front seven that looks like Georgia, looks like Alabama. So it's super talented, and this will start uh, a tough stretch for Tennessee because we talked just going back to how reliant they've been on the run game. They played the next three games, all SEC games, all against three of the four best run defenses in the SEC, at least statistically to this point. So it's going to be a challenge. a is going to be the hardest one. Um, it is the one game at home, which I think will keep them probably in more run-first run, run first situations on like Florida sure. where we talked about with all the false start penalties and that put them in, put them in obvious passing downs and it's just not going to be a place this offense is going to be successful if they're in that.
2: No, I was just going to say, last thing on Tennessee offense, I do think Squirrel White will, like if Tennessee wins, I, I think we'll be talking about him as the MVP of the game and he's a big X factor in this. And Yeah, I can see that. I'm curious to see if Tennessee tries to throw the running backs more. They've done it a little bit. Samson and Wright have a combined fifteen catches on the year. Do they incorporate that a little bit more?
0: I think you'll see a lot of the halfback out in motion throw to wide receiver screen to a running back. We haven't seen out a ton in Hypels first two years. They've done it more this season. Yeah, with Wright. Yeah. And a little bit with Samson too. More Wright, though. I feel like you probably see a lot of that in this game. Because again, it's just what it's what you said earlier. Those Samson and Wright are Tennessee's two best playmakers on offense, and and if if you can't run the ball, get them in space. Yeah, you got to sure. find. Yeah. This is a game where you're going to have to find some creative ways to get them involved. And again, Tennessee's Tennessee's had two weeks to do to figure it out and scheme it up. I, I I imagine that will be some of it, but I imagine you will see those guys get the ball in ways that we haven't seen a ton of so far this season. Guys, flipping
1: the script a little bit, let's put Tennessee on defense. We'll put the Aggies on offense. One of the big things that you know, being a being a guy from Texas, I know a whole lot of people who our A&M fans and who went to A&M and who, who, you know, constantly post about the Aggies and whatnot. And one of the common trends that I've seen, and certainly one of the things that I've seen kind of scouting on the opposition's territory throughout the week is Texas A&M's red zone offense. I, I think that's been a big storyline for them this year. And the numbers stand out to me. And for one specific reason, Texas A&M right now, 57% uh, success rate in the in the red zone to, to, to get a touchdown there. Jimbo Fisher said this week that he wanted that number around 75. Now, 57 is very easy to to remember from that because you that just swap yeah. the numbers, right? So that's where AM is. AM is a team that has been struggling a little bit with the red zone. We can talk about maybe why or obviously some of the factors that have gone into that. But to me, thinking about Tennessee in that place, don't give them a, a, a leg up in an area where they are struggling in, right? lock down the lock down the red zone i i i want to see maybe tennessee take advantage of that if they're struggling a little bit you can't let this be the game where they find their mojo in the red zone i think that's a big yeah. key but that's obviously something that AM is really going to be thinking about this week and when they get to the red zone they're going to try they're going to obviously really want to score but they haven't been too successful at it so we'll see how tennessee handles that
0: that and you know tennessee's defense is kind of built in a lot of ways Remember, not built but they they coach in a lot of ways to do that. Play a lot of soft coverage down the field, don't give up the big play, you know, hunker down and hold teams to three once they get in the scoring range. So that will be a big part of this game. And, uh, you know, I think, again, it's a, a follow-up act from Tennessee's pass rush. Like, you want to you want to see it again. This is a game that they need, they need to see it again of a really good performance. Obviously, South Carolina has a really bad offensive line. Texas A&M's has been really up and down this season, but not an offensive line that you would think is going to be dominant by any means, and I think that's, again, it's just it's simple football. So, so much about the line of scrimmage, but you need to see Tennessee's defensive line make a big effect on this game.
2: Yeah, and extending further, the rush defense. When Texas A&M runs the ball well, they've had a lot of success offensively this year against Arkansas and Auburn, latest examples in SEC play. But then against Alabama and Miami, they struggled to run the ball. I mean, Le'Veon Moss, 16 for 49 last week against Bama. That's 3.1 yards per carry. Bama did a good job of shutting him down. Le'Veon Moss, by the way, one of the most underrated running backs in the SEC, I think. That guy's going to be really good for a while for the Aggies. And then against Miami, you know, different running back was leading leading the way that time, but 18 for 62. So if Tennessee can prevent Texas A&M from gashing them, which Tennessee's done a pretty good job of over recent history, I think they'll be fine.
0: Yeah, the Auburn game's really the only... Quality opponent, obviously Auburn's not great, but that's like the one SEC plus Miami game that Texas and has run the ball well in this year. They've they've struggled to run the football, and that's another thing that, that needs to
2: yeah they needs they did to continue well against Arkansas too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but of course, worse defense. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. One of the other things though is the quarterback position. Max Johnson steps in as the starting quarterback for the Aggies after Connor Wagman goes down with an injury. I like Max Johnson. Obviously I, I don't think he's, you know, a, a bona fide superstar or anything, but I like the way that he plays the game. He's a lefty, right? So you have a little bit of a twist there, but I, I think that he's quality. He, he obviously led AM to a victory against Arkansas. I believe that was his first true start, and then you know, you have the six point loss to AM or to Alabama where and AM kind of just falls apart there a little bit in the second half. But I do like the way he plays. He's thrown for about six hundred and seventy five yards so far this season, has a little bit over a sixty percent completion rate. So again, the numbers don't necessarily Jump off the page, but I think that he's a good quarterback and kind of managing their offense. He can extend the play when he needs to. Again, not a, not necessarily a superstar, but I do like the way that he plays.
0: Well, it just goes back to kind of what Tennessee had last year. I mean, it's it's so hard to have a competent backup, you know, at, at this era of college football. And, and most of the time, if it is a competent backup, it's a freshman like Nico and who comes in and it's all new to him. But he's got talent, and it, you know, he's probably going to play in the future. So, it's, it's odd for AM to have what Tennessee had last year with Joe Milton, which is a veteran quarterback who has played some football and, and certainly isn't spectacular, but it isn't awful either. Um, again, last week that was a big issue for him. And, and Jimbo Fisher talked about it in his press conference this week a little bit holding on to the ball too long, taking too long to go through his progressions. And, you know, that obviously spells opportunity for Tennessee's pass rush. So, uh, I would be one, look at that. And then, two, does Tennessee play a little bit more aggressive?
2: coverage like they did against South Carolina to try to take away some of the quick hitters that you know Florida really killed them on yeah and the tight end has played really well for a this year too Jake Johnson so it's one to keep an eye on they have two good receivers and Stewart and Smith and Muhammad's pretty good too but yeah got to keep an eye on the tight end yeah they're brothers yep
1: yeah Max and Max and oh, Brad Johnson I didn't know that they're brothers Jake um nice, nice during the tech, during the Arkansas game which was at uh Cowboy Stadium in Dallas they had Jason Witten sitting with uh, I guess the dad, who I also think maybe is named Brad Johnson, uh, but he was sitting there, and they were they were talking about during the game that Jason Witten's just been a, a very big kind of uh, figure for that family and has kind of really helped that, that – uh, the duo of, of Connor and Max get along, especially with with one of the brothers being a tight end right there. But I think if you're Tennessee, you want to see the other brother in Max protection a lot, right? So you're not having to see him out as a receiver on the field. That also means that Tennessee is really getting some you know, some good pass rush, and they need a little bit more protection right there. So eh, interesting to watch the brothers coming up this game.
0: Yeah, certainly. Uh, I would say, I mean, it's, it kind of makes sense, but it feels like, especially when the field shrinks, that's become one of his go-to guys, and... Yeah. Uh, I don't know about y'all, because he... he <laughs> the thing that stands out, probably number one about Max Johnson, and it's not completely accurate, but it's just how uncomfortable he looks when the pocket is collapsing and he's under pressure. Like, I, I know it's just how he throws, but he just throws off his back foot sure, so frequently. So, that's been something that's... <laughs> it's not nearly as bad as it looks, but it, it is something kind of interesting to watch, and uh, another reason that I think... A&M has been a lot more limited throwing the ball down the field since Connor Wegman got hurt, and if you get pressure on them, it, it kind of continues that trend.
1: Yeah. There you go. What other uh, – any other thoughts on just kind of Tennessee's – I guess, what is this, Tennessee's defense versus Texas A&M offense?
2: Um, yeah, kind of extending Ryan's point there, are they going to force a turnover? You know, so –
1: Turnover, I, that, that's a that's a and a and big thing in this game, I for sure. I think
2: – like, I mean, I don't know Kamal Haddon personally, but I feel like he's a guy that when – the train gets on the track and he gets confidence like he can make some plays, so he's riding the highest he's ever rode (laughs) at tennessee's right now right and after that big six against south carolina so are we going to see him make another play and is Denico slaughter gonna play more this time around one thing it's not
0: tennessee's defense but special teams aspect game we haven't talked about two really good punt returners probably two best punt returners in the sec and Anaya smith and and d williams so Hitting yards in this game, uh, I think, you know, will kind of be important field position, especially in a game where I think it's going to be challenging for both teams, especially Tennessee, to drive the ball 75 yards on 8, 9, 10 plays just because of – I think both defensive lines are better than the offensive line they'll be facing, which obviously just presents issues there. So uh, can either team make some plays in the special teams, and, and Tennessee has been – with the rugby style punting has been really good. Done a really good job of defending punts. Now they haven't all been super long punts, uh, but they've done a good job of limiting yards on the returns. Yeah, as
1: Jimbo Fisher mentioned in his press conference this week, uh, two Aussie punters. Each each team has an Aussie punter, although only Tennessee's can punt left and right. Uh, but yeah, I think that only only a, a really small handful of punts have been returned from Jackson Ross this year. I think maybe only two, but um, either way, that's that's obviously a special teams going to be important there, but. And the last kind of thing I've thought about this game is, A, Ryan, I'll, I'll let you talk about the trend that that you wrote about earlier in the week over at RockyTopInsider.com, but just the the home field advantage aspect. I, I think that's big. I, I think you know how this Tennessee team plays in front of its fans. You know how this Tennessee team can get juiced up in front of the fans, and it's one of the hardest places to play in all the college football, right? So how is that, going, how is that atmosphere going to impact the Aggies' offense? Maybe a guy like Max Johnson has a little bit more of a difficult time coming off of that game. You know, and this is his first true road start of the year, I believe, right? Because that that Arkansas game was back neutral. in Dallas right. and at a neutral site where they had plenty of fans. It was 50-50 or so, and then obviously he goes home to play Alabama. So, how's he going to to uh, How's he going to perform in this environment? I think that's still left up in the air to be seen, but certainly Tennessee's home field advantage gives them just very that an advantage.
0: Certainly, I mean Tennessee's just played a lot better at home. The last three years, especially the last two years. So uh, that's a big part. You just feel more comfortable about Tennessee. And then the Texas a and side of it, they've lost seven straight road games coming into this one. Uh, it goes back to October of 2021, and I think a little later in the calendar. But basically two calendar years since they've won on the road. Some of that I don't yeah. make a ton of. because <laughs> yeah, agree. AM And it was just really bad last year. Yeah. And it's hard for bad teams to win road they games in really the They didn't really win at home either. Yeah, they didn't really win at home either. But uh, uh, another good stat from Travis Smith when I talked to him is, he kind of said that, too, but he said a hasn't beaten a ranked team on the road since they beat Auburn in 2014. So this has been a program that's been a wild. little snake bit on the road, and that you know predates Jimbo Fisher's tenure by a number of years. So Jimbo Fisher hasn't won a ranked game on the road. and Obviously, Max Johnson is a guy you would think, honestly, more than Connor Wegman would be prepared to play on the road because he's, he's done down. it a lot more, and this was Wegman's first year starting. I would assume the Miami game was the— I know he played a little bit at the end of last year, but I'd assume the Miami game was his first road start. Um, but you know Miami, has announced like forty-five thousand fans of that game, probably even less than that. This will be in an environment that maybe not every player for Texas A&M, but this Texas A&M team has not played in this season. Sure. Uh, so it's even b- before you look at all those numbers, I think this is by far the toughest road test A&M has had this season, um, and certainly from the environment standpoint that goes into you know more pointing in Tennessee's advantage of kind of the
2: circumstances of this game outside the matchup itself. Yeah, it's not like Max Johnson is super green in SEC play. Of course, two years ago, he started every game for LSU. So, you know, this is a guy that's been around the block, and, you know, he's played in the Bamas. He's played in tough environments So, in A&M. So we'll see how, you know, he does here, of course. But, yeah, Tennessee environment, definitely going to have an impact. No way around it. Checker Nealand, vibes are going to be high, so...
1: It's going to be tough. Yeah, uh, and again, like you guys are saying, obviously an experienced quarterback, but I, I think that first true road start of the season for for a quarterback is a big one to look into, and that's what's coming up this weekend in Knoxville. Any other kind of final wrap-up thoughts on the game today? Not really
0: on the game here, but we've you've mentioned a lot at Jimbo Fisher Press Conference. I don't know if, if you just read a transcript or were watching it, but he – References when he talks about Tennessee players, he only called them by their numbers. Yeah. Two, yeah. or two, six, one, you know. Did you also catch
1: when he called Milton Mixon? Oh,
0: a oh, way. No wait to steal my point.
1: Oh, Rick. <laughs> oh, no. The only
0: player he called, actually he did end up calling Squirrel by his name. He called him, he goes, 10's really good. He's Squirrel. He runs like a squirrel. Uh, so he did say that. you referenced it. But the first Dang player, it. and the only other player he referenced by name, was Joe Milton. But he didn't call him Joe, and he didn't call him Milton. He called him Mixon. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Who's he?" Because he was—he'd t- been talking about Tennessee's receivers, and yeah. he goes, "Mixon." I'm like, "Who's he even?" Like, obviously, I knew Tennessee doesn't have a Mixon. Like, who could he be confusing him for? And then he talked more about it, and he talked about him being a recruit in Florida, and when he was kind of at Florida State, and I was able to pick up on that he was talking about Joe Milton. But that was—I see why he doesn't call people by their hey. names—is the—is the moral Dang of the it, story. Joe I'm Mixon. Sorry.
2: Yeah, that's, no, that's definitely, cat. that's Joe definitely, yeah.
0: that's definitely what he, he had in his what mind. What he had on his mind, yeah. yeah. Or where his confusion, confusion was, but yeah, no, that was, oh, that's my bad. Jimbo Fisher, man, that's, he makes Rick Barnes look easy to, tra- or uh, easy to transcribe. <laughs> he does. Like, he's, he's a, going a, a million miles an hour, he and he's going so fast. in so many different directions, talking off, out the side of his mouth, and. Uh, yeah, it's, that was, that was funny. I was getting a good, the other thing he said, this is just like classic, this is just like classic general coach, fun thing to slander. Uh, He was asked most of his press conference on Monday, uh, it was like 25 minutes, probably 20 minutes of it was just talking about the Alabama game still. And he's talking about, I can't even remember if it was the fourth down at the end of the game or one of the fourth downs earlier. And he goes, yeah, we had third and two, and, and we ran it, and we didn't get a yard. So then we had fourth and one, and we just decided to pop it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I'm trying, I'm struggling to follow the math here. But being third and two, and you don't get a yard, and now it's fourth and one. Uh, <laughs> but no, that, that was funny. <laughs> that was those were the two parts of, of Jimbo's press conference. Besides just, uh, I knew the overall like him talking the way he talks and how fast he talks because of you know media days. I haven't seen him talk. I think he talked before Hypo, maybe two years ago at media yeah. days.
1: Um, but that that was those two things were, were very funny. That was great. I, I was reminded by that fact when I was watching the press conference this week. But um, speaking of other chaotic press conferences, did you see James Franklin the the clip that was going around on on Twitter? Yeah, I didn't think. Are you kept th- asking about coffee?
2: No, no a different a, one.
1: A reporter basically asked over a Zoom. It looked like a Zoom format, but yeah, he basically I so. asked. Um, I guess for lack of a you know for lack of putting the whole question together properly. Basically, just said, "Hey, do you ever just think about just throwing it deep, right. like just, just throwing it deep and seeing if your receiver will, will make a play?" Or you know, he he started talking about these posts because because they they eventually were kind of going back and forth a little bit by the end of the question. Jimbo or not Jimbo, but James Franklin was just like, "No, no," and we would never do. What are you talking? Like he just he was so insulted by the receiver by the reporter's questions. I felt like at least I didn't think Jimbo or not. <laughs> I know now.
0: It's so easy. I didn't think James Franklin was like. Because it was, a, I mean, I'm I'm surprised you didn't see it honestly, Jack. Because it was yesterday, maybe two days ago. It was pretty big on on at least my Twitter feed of people talking about it. And the guy, I mean, the question was not phrased very well. I don't think it was an awful question on its own, but he he didn't phrase it well. And the reporter was talking about how I think maybe even was getting some like death threats from Penn State fans, which like I just what on top of that just being like a obviously a horrible thing that you should never do. I didn't think James Franklin was like that mad or like James Franklin was like even that mean he was just like yeah no we would never do that like this is you're speaking a foreign language to me right now so I was kind of confused where all the controversy came from like it it wasn't a great worded question James Franklin kind of had a a response you'd expect kind of without saying it being like yeah no that would we'd that's kind of stupid we would never do that but he I didn't think he was like outwardly disrespectful to a reporter either so I don't know I would and I'm also surprised why ever like it wasn't like it was the guy was like question, severely questioning the Penn State football program or James yeah. Franklin. So I don't really know why the Penn State fans were mad. I just kind of been confused by the whole situation. I thought the whole thing was kind of blown out of proportion. A
1: little yeah, bit. I, I can see that. I, I didn't think he came off angry or or disrespected, but I, I do kind of felt like he he maybe was a little bit insulted. Just like what, and maybe it was because of the way that the question was phrased. Because you're right, it, it wasn't very good. But I, I did. I did find that interesting, you know. Throughout the week, every once in a while, you get a press conference clip that that circulates Twitter, and you know it's for one reason or another. And that one was was fascinating as it went on. But uh, game this week and also going to be interesting. Anybody have a uh, w- which way are you guys leaning? I won't ask for a, a specific score prediction yet. We'll put those out in Rocket Top Insider coming up tomorrow, which will be Friday. Uh, but which way are you guys leaning? Well, what are kind of your thoughts? Who wins this game and how?
0: I'm picking Tennessee to win. Um, I think there's just so many of the outward factors just point in Tennessee's favor in, in this one, and I think Tennessee struggles to sustain a lot of drives, but hits a couple of big plays and you know is able to to sustain a couple drives or maybe have good field position on a couple of drives and, and find the end zone. And I don't think they'll be as shut down in the with the run game as AM's last couple of opponents will be. I don't think they're going to run the ball great. It's not going to be like yeah. the South Carolina game,
2: but I think they'll be able to kind of stay above water uh, a little bit more. Joe Milton's mistake for Tennessee wins this game. Not, like, super easily, but it won't be some big nail-biter. It'll
0: kind of be like the South Carolina game. Sure. Well, no. Maybe not in the score, but in the sense of, like, Tennessee's in control of the whole game.
2: Yes. Totally like, you, you don't won't win by 21. No, no, no. Because yeah. in Tennessee,
0: they opened is that first. up late in that game. But, like, for a lot of the second half, and obviously they were losing for most of the first half, for a lot of the second half, it felt like, All right, the game is still definitely, you know, in doubt. Like, South Carolina can win, but Tennessee's in control of this game. Tennessee is going to win this game unless something severely changes.
1: Yeah, Yeah, kind of that vibe. I think Tennessee wins, and I think a lot of it is because uh, of the pass rush. I, I, I just keep going back to to how uncomfortable they made Spencer Rattler through that night, and obviously Texas a is a different team, but I think that Tennessee still has that ability in them, and, and that's one of the strengths on this defense. I think that's a lot of their identity. I think that's what they want to do. I think they'll want to make Max Johnson uncomfortable. I know I just, you know, I, I just spent a couple minutes talking about how much I liked him, but I, I think that Tennessee can also make him uncomfortable and, and put him in big pressure situations. So to me, Tennessee wins. There's a lot of different ways that it could go on different aspects of the game, but I do think that Tennessee's pass rush is one of the things that helps carry to victory or at least solidify the victory at the end of the game. But I'm picking Tennessee in a in a mid-scoring game. I, I don't think the scoring will be outrageous by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think it'll be super low, uh, but I do think it'll be in the in the 20s to mid-30s. I, I think that's kind of where I'm initially leaning right now. But we will, again, we will have those predictions out on Rocket Up Insider uh, coming up on Friday.
2: Do you guys have any strong feelings about what the line was, or did it make sense to you? I thought it made sense to me. Um, I liked it. I
0: thought it made more sense where it opened. I mean, it hasn't moved a ton, but where it opened at like four or five, mm. uh, as opposed to I think it's gotten all the way down to three. I definitely think it should be Tennessee over three. Okay. Like yeah. three, at least three and a half. I think
1: Tennessee wins this game by at least a focal. Caesars has this at three as well, and, and I would agree with that sentiment as well. Over under 55. Uh, just kind of quick math. I think that's a, a pretty proper way to put it, and and that's seemingly around where my prediction will be coming up tomorrow. But uh, again, 3:30 p.m. coming up on CBS Saturday afternoon in Neyland Stadium. Number 19 Tennessee hosts Texas A&M in a cross cross divisional SEC clash. We will be there covering the whole thing as usual. So, of course, make sure you are staying tuned into Rocky Top Insider throughout the weekend as we will do our best to bring you the top news notes and coverage from Tennessee's game against Texas A&M and then anything that happens and transpires afterwards as well. Guys, we are quickly moving through October here. November will be here before you know it. Basketball season is right around the corner. I mean, we're less than four weeks away from that. Uh, there's a lot of things going on with in our world right now. No doubt about it. Fall baseball going
0: strong over at uh, – Heavy uh, construction zone, Lindsey Nelson. Give Stadium, us a Chris give us a, a
1: quick uh, just a quick note from maybe something you've seen from Tennessee baseball practice so far. Just a little tease.
0: A little tease. Eh, Christian Moore was had a really good day yesterday, and I, I haven't seen Christian Moore play a a, a pitch at, at second base. He's been at shortstop or center field the whole time I've been out there. Um, a number of the young the juco juco guys and the freshmen have you know had really impressive starts. To the fall, uh, so that's, I guess, kind of the a couple quick hitters. Is um, Christian from Tennessee Moore Tennessee's baseball.
1: most important position player going into the year?
0: Eh, there's an argument you could make there, especially if he ends up— I think he's most important in this fall of, like, can he play shortstop? Because I think that opens up a lot of possibilities in Tennessee's lineup. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess just from the fact that he was so streaky last year as a hitter, You say, all right, if he can put it together with some more consistency, he's a guy that will be one of the best bats in the SEC. So, yeah, I think that's – you could probably go in a bunch of different directions, but I think that's a a fair take.
1: Early baseball talk as uh, we get into a little bit of fall ball here in Knoxville, and then obviously we move into the spring. But right now it's the fall. So we're talking about football. We're talking about basketball soon. Uh, But, again, 3.30 p.m. coming up this Saturday afternoon, Tennessee, Texas A&M in Neyland Stadium. That right there is Jack Foster. If you want to follow him, you can do so – at Jack Foster Media on Twitter. If you want to follow Ryan, you can do that at R Shump00. That's S-C-H-U-M-P-00. And if you want to follow myself, you can do that at Rick underscore butler. But of course, make sure you're checking out RockyTopInsider.com each and every day. Make sure you are following Rocky Top Insider at Rocky Top Insider on each one of the social media platforms. We are on Twitter. TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook, wherever you are, we are there as well. That's how we do business here. We want to get you the news that you need to know wherever you are already. So stay there. We will always be coming to you. But of course, if you want to come and check us out too, that's where we're at. Guys. Think that's going to wrap it up for us today. We got a Josh hypo press conference starting in just about twenty minutes or so, so we got to fly out of here. We got to get into the press conference room, but so that is going to wrap it up for us today. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Go ahead and leave us a great five star rating. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you for the rating, but then also if you want to leave us a review, you can do that as well. But of course, stay tuned in to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast because we'll be back after the Texas A&M game for a little post game instant reaction. Otherwise. Let's go ahead and get out of here. Let's go talk to Josh Hype. We'll see what's going on today. Thanks so much for listening. Be good. Be safe. We'll see you back this weekend.